Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, April twenty seventh. My name is Jake Luke. Uh, I am joined in the Jeremy Butler Memorial Studio here by my guy Spenny and uh, on my screen by Mr. Vasily Lurikos. What's going on, gentlemen? Can't wait for Thursday night, Friday night. Let's go. I'm pumped. Woke up with a little little extra pep in my step. Was up super late watching Joe Tryon until like four in the fucking morning and then woke up and was like, oh, it's, it's really draft week. And I actually, I haven't watched much NFL network. I used to watch before I started like writing and stuff. I used to watch 30, 40 hours of NFL network a week while I was working. It was always on net. Like this is the week where it's good to put it on and hear Rappaport and all them like dishing out their little, their little facts and cold lunches and whatever. And, uh, it's, it's fun. The best, the best time of the year. Facts and cold lunches and whatever. It's interesting when uh, I think about what people watch late at night, Joe Tryon tape, maybe not, not going to be topping that list, but uh, that's just who you are, I guess. I watched him on uh, All-22 Hub. You're missing out, Jake. <laughs> maybe, yeah, listen, listen, maybe I am. They're doing some disruptive things over at Cinemax. Maybe I'm going to have to change my uh, my habits personally, but... Uh, They're trying real hard. They are trying. Uh, yeah, so here we are. We're in the studio. It is officially draft week, boys, as Voss hinted at there. Uh, got the first round coming to you all from Thursday night. In case you're living under a rock... Nobody loves the draft more than me. I mean, come on. Get, get with the program if you don't. Uh, it's going to be a fun one this year because the Ravens have acquired a uh, another first-round pick to add to their arsenal. A little pick swap there with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, along with a uh, third and a fourth. That they, What? You have so many USBs. I actually uh, – shout out to my job. That was expensed through my work, and I just still have them here, and I just never Boom. never took them back to work. So I'm going to probably do that. Uh, for the good people over at uh, my company, which will remain nameless. But uh, yeah, a lot of USBs there. Thank you for just absolutely yanking me off the train tracks there as uh, I was discussing the uh, terms of the Orlando Brown deal. And that was incredible. Ridiculous. Because the Ravens acquired 
a first round pick in exchange for their second, a third rounder, a fourth rounder. They give up a sixth rounder next year. And I believe they got another pick there as well. But uh, Voss, we were talking a little bit before we got going uh, offline here uh, about your reaction to that trade. If you would like to provide it to the beautiful listeners. Uh, yeah. So had a couple of days to think on it a little bit. I don't love the trade uh, mostly because they had to give up that second round pick and it's equivalent to number 44, number 45, according to the JJ chart, which I guess there's some new charts now, but all the recent trades teams go by the JJ chart. Anyway, I would prefer if they just got the 45th pick straight up because really you're losing a player. So you can hypothetically replace that player with a solid right tackle with the 31st pick but you're not advancing and there's no guarantee that that rookie will be better. He's going to take two, three years maybe to get up to Zeus's level. Um, so I don't love the pick. I personally am hoping that they're going to trade down from that pick, perhaps even trade down from both the first round picks. I think the second round and the third round have a lot of nice prospects and it does raise the ceiling of the team. If they hit on three or four of them, I think that's what they need to do. They have multiple needs. I'm strongly opposed to, packaging those picks to trade up. I think there's too many holes. They're not going to be able to knock off KC. They just helped out. Um, and just, I guess, real quick tangent, just my kind of roster philosophy has been uh, a lot, largely based off of Daniel Jeremiah's core foundation players. And he thinks all teams need uh, to be, a, to be a champion, one quarterback, three capable offensive linemen, three playmaking receivers, two pass rushers, three uh, ball hawks or above average cover, coverage defenders. doesn't matter necessarily what position, but I think teams should be pretty laser focused on filling those cornerstone players before they start making luxury additions. And they lost a cornerstone player and they got one first rounder and one third rounder to, uh, to try to recoup that. I think if you bring Alejandro Villanueva into it, which I I really hope he's the one, I hope he's the guy um, that they have the handshake deal with. And then you, the, I think the aspect that we all overlooked a little bit is that Brown is a rental and you can franchise tag him, of course, but that's a very, very expensive franchise tag. I feel like the Chiefs are not in the business of franchise tagging him because they have so much money split so many ways. I don't think they have you know, $20 million to just lump on right now. So it feels like they're going to imminently try to sign him. But yeah, I, I look at it from the perspective that still, I, I still feel like the 58th pick trading down to the 94th and 136th, I feel like you could trade the 94th and the 136th and get to like the the 60s. Like, I feel like those are pretty equivalent values. So I do feel like they, they maybe got a first round pick for it. But ultimately, um, yeah, Brown was a rental, so... I think that's the one aspect where everyone's like, well, he's, it's a big time tackle. You got to get high value, whatever. It's like, yeah, he's he's in the Laramie Tunsil chair, though. The Ravens can't physically sign him to an, or I guess they can't logistically sign him to an extension in order for him to be traded. And so that way he has the leverage again. Now Orlando Brown has all the leverage with the Chiefs again. So he has them bent over. They're going to have to pay him top, 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 top dollar. More than he is worth, in my opinion. I think he is a good well, tackle. We'll see how he fares in Kansas City because I'm not so convinced that he's going to be playing at a Pro Bowl level in a pass-heavy offense necessarily. Um, it's just uh, I, I know the first-round pick I guess, has some appeal for the fifth-year option, but they redid the CBA, 
And if you've made a Pro Bowl, the fifth-year option is now equal to the transition tag, which is top 10. And if you've made two Pro Bowls, it's equal to the franchise tag. So there's not a huge savings there. I just I do hope that they can move back or move up or, or do something. Just I think I really would like to have four instant impact players coming out of this draft, especially after losing your second best offensive lineman when bolstering the offensive line was the priority coming into the offseason. It feels very unlikely that they're gonna tr- they're gonna just sit there and draft at twenty seven and thirty one. Yeah, I know. I don't think they they are at all. I think in fact it's uh, seems pretty obvious that. A move is going to be made. I don't know if it's going to be up like I've been hypothesizing for to get up into that low 20 spot and then trading back with the other one or maybe potentially packaging the third and the fourth to get up into the second or whatever combination that might look like. And uh, yeah, I think they probably are going to move around to your point, Voss. I think the compensation maybe is something that people would look at and think that maybe it could be a little bit better. But I think it was PFF move with all the talk about like the JJ trade chart and whatever trade chart. PFF move said like the full extent of what they got looking at the other picks looking at the value of what they are, it was the equivalent to getting one first round pick for him, which I think is maybe what I was expecting to begin with, which is fine, which is where the concern comes back to sending him to KC, your top uh, enemy, as you put it there, boss. Uh, and I don't know, it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, what were you going to do? It's just one of those weird things where all with all the roster construction talk and the spreadsheetification of a lot of this stuff, it's just one of those things where the messy human side of this shit gets involved just kind of out of nowhere. Like I wanted to go play left tackle because my dad said to me 15 years ago prior to passing away that he wanted me to do that. It's like, wh- when else does that happen? That doesn't happen like in a lot, lot of Thomas these situations. Too. Like the weirdest thing. Stanley never gets hurt. That probably never happens. Oh, for, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the kind of domino uh, piece that you have to no, think that's, of. That's a good way. I don't think the Ravens won the trade. I don't think the Ravens lost the trade. We're just going to see, do they use a draft capital accumulator? Is a team going to be better in 2021 with after making this trade or not? That's really the question. And, uh, a lot of good players in this draft. I, I think this is a maybe not the strongest day three, but I really do like day two a lot. A lot of the players on day two. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, I'm working on workshopping some comparison to EDC sending him to Kansas City for Don Draper's iconic "Why I'm Quitting Tobacco" letter that he wrote, and uh, just completely nuked the entire tobacco industry and uh, made out like a bandit. So uh, I, you know, maybe look for a column on that. Maybe not. We'll see what I can come up with. It's going to be maybe a far flung comparison, but uh, you know, that's that's what I like to do. Fling it, baby. I got to do a rewatch of Mad Men. I haven't seen that in years. That was a good one. It's I've only great. seen it once. That's worth a rewatch for sure. It's great. Yeah, I watched it last summer. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth the rewatch. Definitely a good Sopranos comparison too. I think there, which I know you're mm-hmm. a big fan. So uh, yeah, that is the Orlando Brown stuff. Unless you, you guys got anything else you want to throw out there? He just the, the final thing I have to say on it is that he is such a. I get the dad stuff and I don't want to comment on the dad stuff. I absolutely appreciate that. You know, people have sentimental family values and feelings and things. I have no comment towards that. Good for him. I I'm happy for him to live out the dream. It was just, he made a comment today at the presser, his introductory presser with Kansas city that, uh, at the day Ronnie Stanley signed his extension, he basically had like a meeting of the five families of his own life. He said he had his, his mentor, his advisor and his family and his agent all have a big meeting the day Ronnie Stanley signed that extension. It was just like, I have never seen such a dramatic offensive lineman. And I get the family stuff. I'm not <laughs> commenting that. Offensive well, line- I like, I would challenge you by saying like, you remember his dad. But his dad was definitely a larger than life personality as well. But I just, 
<laughs> if you so Jeff Schwartz is about to have the Gruden's quarterback camp of offensive linemen, and there's a picture which of, nobody's asking for that. First of all, let's just throw whoa, that out whoa, there. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I am asking for that for sure. Offensive line. Noted Jeff Schwartz fans, Benny. Uh, shut up. This <laughs> this is PFF's maybe main accomplishment in all of football is that they have like get shed light into people examining offensive line play more. I think they brought offensive line play to light. Anyway, if you look at it, he had, I think it was Quinn Miners, Creed Humphrey, um, Rashawn Slater and Trey Smith. And there's a picture of the four of them wearing just like plain ass big boy gym clothes, like walking down a football field. Like Orlando Brown's wearing a freaking foxtail. Hand. He is just such not an offense. It's always a, spe- it's always a <laughs> spectacle. Like I've been, like I've literally said right before all this shit popped off. It is always a spectacle with him. Like Quinn Miners trains in the woods of ca- literal, ca- like yeah. Southern. He's Canada. got like a, what's the picture I was using? He's got like a Gucci visor on like backwards. He wear, he's wearing the Farrah Fawcett t-shirt that like Jerry Coleman was all hot and bothered about it. It's yeah. He's interesting cat, man. He, he likes his Jones. Well, offensive lineman like free ball. Appreciate what he did for his three years. I don't think he's a perfect player. I think he was boosted by Roman and, and Lamar in a big way. And uh, potentially the Ravens could draft or uh, acquire somebody that can uh, that can maybe expose him when they play each other this year. That would be sick. It would be sick. And uh, He's I keep, an enemy now. He's an enemy now. He's you know, a big-time enemy now. I keep forgetting that they're going to play this year too, and I'm just going to absolutely dread every second leading up to that game and the game itself probably. And after the game, when I'm recording the podcast, we're lamenting the fact that they have again lost to the motherfucking Kansas city chiefs. So that's, you know, with Orlando Brown, like, yeah, it was really good to see everybody. You yeah, know, I've always got love so for much Baltimore. Love for that organization. Like, and they treat my family so, so good. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I appreciate yeah, everything yeah, they did taking me after my combine. And, and, you know, I wish them the best of luck on the, the rest best. of their season. Wish them the best. Give me a just <laughs> but I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Sunday, because that's going to be a rough one. <laughs> None of us will be alive. I'm going to be blacked out for that one. Yeah. Well, is that all we got on him? That's all we got. All right, gentlemen. Well, we are here for uh, what's going to be a more decidedly fun exercise, I believe, and that is uh, completing our Beatdown Big Boards bracket that we put together. Uh, on our most recent episode, Spenny, why don't you give uh, the listeners a little bit of just a rundown of the entire process and how we got here. So for those of you who have maybe casually tuned in and tuned out, the process was Jake and I came together and we we're like, look, we can do the mock drafts. We can do the same kind of stuff we did last year, but let's try and do something a little bit more interactive and a little different. So we decided to to spawn the beat down big board. We had some deliberation and exchange some ideas. We wanted to do the beatdown big board. So the way we looked at it was, let's make a tournament. Let's make a little bracket. It was right before March, I think, when we uh, crafted the idea up. So, of course, March Madness was in mind a little bit. Uh, Shout out Future. So we're like, all right, let's do this. Let's go position by position and try and find, you know, Ravens by position. And it kind of teetered in and out each week with, you know, there's guys like Brevin Jordan and Pat Fryermuth that ended up because we didn't want to put Kyle Pitts in there. He's not going to he's not a realistic option. And Pat Fryermuth isn't going to be the Ravens' first-round pick, I don't think, and neither is Brevin Jordan. But those are guys that, you know, could make sense later in the draft or something of the sort. So just prospects from each position that we really thought would fit in well and, and provide some value and guys that we liked. So then we cracked that out to the listeners. We posted polls on Twitter, on the podcast Beatdown Twitter, and had four of our top guys at each position 
considering, you know, realistic targets and, and guys that might fit in with the Ravens, guys that we liked, and let the listeners decide the top two from each position. Then at the end of that, you know, we didn't do running back. We didn't do cornerback because those are, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to say the Ravens will draft one. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, we actually, we had planned to do an entire running backs only episode where we locked boss in here for 24 hours and he just had to watch running backs on a loop <laughs> just come up with some takes. He's, he's he's down to d3 freaking mcdaniel college's running back and he's like this guy you could pay one thousand dollars on a three-year deal and he could give you 800 yards <laughs> five yards of carry baby five yards of carry it's gus edwards look he's just gus edwards all over again so uh yeah so here we are we've got the bracket we've we've put it all together at this point we seeded it and uh, we've, we've got that cranked out on Twitter right now, the first opening round. And again, I'll just quickly rattle through the bracket itself as it stands. We've got a fun matchup in the Northwest region of Trevon Merrig as a number one seed against Elijah Moore, who is, uh, I think it's supposed to be an eight seed, right? Or seven seed or whatever, eight seed. Yeah, he's an eight. I yeah, he's an four eight by Yeah, accident. it's all good. Um, so an eight seed Elijah Moore. Uh, I think that's a very good matchup. We'll get into all this stuff. We got Aleem McNeil versus Landon Dickerson in a true Godzilla versus King Kong. We've got Brevin Jordan and Christian Barmore. Very different flavors there. Creed Humphrey against Joe Tryon, one of my favorites of this round. Uh, Tevin Jenkins and Jalen Phillips, which is all-out warfare. Terrace Marshall, Marshall matched up with Richie Grant. Aziz Ajalari, who we had some interesting news come out today via Peter King against... Mr. Pat Fryermuth, the baby Gronk, as he is dubbed. And finally, Alex Leatherwood, who I think is like your favorite rave, favorite general manager's favorite player, or like Ozzie Newsom's favorite player, in other words, versus Rashad Bateman. Uh, so, so we've got we've got these guys on here. You know, we've got Brevin Jordan. We've got a couple interesting ones, Richie Grant, and uh, some. It's it's just crazy because as news, we tried to do it as late as possible, leading up, and then again very last minute all of a sudden peter king is like oh aziz ajalari has pretty big knee concerns and we're expecting him to fall out of the first round uh which which definitely you know put some taste in your mouth but at the same time that just happened to Terrell lewis last year he was a guy he was my i think he was my prediction yeah my prediction for who the ravens would end up taking uh in the first round and i think i changed it to zach bond after that news came out but uh terrell lewis ended up playing for the rams and playing really well like you know just uh, which who doesn't have a knee issue that is at this stage of football. Listen, I mean, look at me. Exactly. Jake's only got a half of a knee total. It's not good. It's not good. But so at this point, you know, we've, we've cranked all these prospects together and, and news is coming in. News is coming out. And some of these guys I've definitely gone really in depth with Terrace Marshall. I have watched, I've watched the same game of his for three different games. I think I've watched like 11 games total of him. And he's someone that, is very easy to overthink, I think, for me, versus a guy like Richie Grant. I watched like four games and was kind of like, all right, you know, cool. But that's where we are, so we're going to get into it. Voss, what is your kind of first overall thoughts just looking at this bracket? You can go in any direction you want. It's a great-looking bracket. I think you guys had a nice creative product here. I'm uh, excited to be included. The tight ends, I think, uh, probably going to be early eliminated, but – I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes between some of these impact defenders and wide receivers and offensive linemen. That's really what the Ravens need. Um, I wish they could get four of the guys on this list, to be honest. You haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So I guess we can – did you really touch on the Ajulari peter King stuff there? I, I didn't – I think I just saw like a quick blurb 
and I think it was like a Peter King mock draft. Do you have Do you have it? Let me see if I can pull uh, that up. It was It was just basically. I think Peter King took Greg Rousseau in his own mock draft at the twenty third pick for the Jets, and he said that a lot of people have been mocking Ajilari there, but knee problems have been flagged for Ajilari, and it makes sense because Ajilari is squats at like seven hundred pounds. He power. He is the I think he set like the Georgia state high school record for power clean and Georgia is a big boy state with uh, weightlifting and stuff. And I think his brother actually, his younger brother actually broke it. And it makes sense when you put that kind of pressure, you know, on your joints or doing that kind of powerlifting, I would expect you to have knee problems. So uh, yeah, he's muscle. He, he is truly Adjilari. We, we can go to the first one. I think Vaz, you just touched on it. Adjilari, Pat Fryermuth. Adjilari is probably going to kick Fryermuth's ass. Uh, we have the poll posted on Twitter. I think he's already starting to already completely pulled away. He's cleaning up in there. Yeah. Yeah. But Adjilari is very rare. And I mentioned he is this prolific, like historic weightlifter, high school weightlifter. And he looks like it and plays like it considering he's a smaller guy. Like, he doesn't have big legs. He doesn't have big, you know, hulking muscles, but he is strong for his size. And I've been in the the depths of like Malik Herring, his teammate at Georgia's Twitter and whatever. And just, I always search guys and just try and find what type of person they are a little bit on social media and their Instagram, whatever. The running thing is that Aziz Ajilari, everyone at Georgia says he's, he's made of vibranium. He's the Black Panther. He does the Black Panther Wakanda forever, crosses his arms after he gets sacks, which Quiddy Pay also does. But he does that. And they're like, this dude is not real. He's 240 pounds and... Deontay Brown hits him pulling at 370 pounds and can't move him. So he's just a very weird prospect. You, he's kind of like a DK Metcalf. Like he is stiff, but but wins the corner with explosiveness and power. He, he just like doesn't. He's a unique prospect overall. I mean, you factor in the knee problems. He, I'm going to start calling him the defensive DK Metcalf. That's going to be my uh, my new thing. I think. Here's a guy. Yeah. So I got this from uh, Peter King. Uh, he's got the Jets with the Seattle pick at 23, taking Greg Rousseau, uh, including in there. They could also roll the dice on Aziz Ajilari, the highly rated rusher from Georgia, who could slip because some teams are worried about his knee issues. So there you go. I don't I don't know. This is the week where I start to not believe what's reported, and I think it is just all smoke. There was some other report that the Ravens are guaranteed to take a wide receiver at 27 or something earlier today. This is the week where I kind of start thinking, take it with a grain of salt. Ocelari, I've been a little bit skeptical of throughout this entire process, just the size. You know, he's not a typical Ravens guy. We were talking about it on the Slack, Spencer, and they've only picked two guys, maybe even kind of in the range of that same size. He's pretty close in size to Bowser, and Bowser is about the smallest that they've taken at edge under Harbaugh. Right, but I don't think necessarily they would want to have one on each side. Right, exactly. And he's not... They kind of want to have a bigger bigger rush, and the Sam's a little bit smaller. A Judon side. They usually... The rush is usually a defensive end turned outside linebacker, and the Sam is usually someone that can actually cover a bit. You know, you think of, I guess, like an Adelius Thomas or... Um, I'm trying to think of us. I guess through the the Rex Ryan years, they didn't really do that as much. It was kind of big boys on both sides. Like it'd be yeah, like Courtney well, Upshaw and Kruger. Boys, man. Suggs, yeah. A lot of big boys through the years. A lot of big guys. That's really kind of been their type. Um, but he's just really stout. He's a good run defender. He, regardless he's a, of he's the a size, polished just, run period. defender. He's a, very, yeah. a sound run defender at a small size, which is why he, again, is so strange. 
And again, like yeah, not so, knowing even much about like linebacker or like edge play, sometimes when he drops back into coverage, like it just even I could tell like this guy knows what he's doing. I feel like just kind of like at a cursory glance, he just seems like a guy who is in control is a word I would use. I think he so executes. I've, I've, a, go ahead. Go ahead. Boss. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, boss. No, just I've, a, a true I've gentlemanly display. Going on what I'm right trying now. to say, I've come around Roger Lari listening to Michael Crawford's podcast this morning, and they made the comp to Joey Porter, which I was like Joey Porter. But then uh, I looked up the uh, the measurables, and they're like the exact same. Um, so I've come around on him. I think he definitely should advance in the first round at least. Yeah, shout out to our so boys too. on the uh, the deep cover pod. Um, great, great guys over there. But uh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about Pat Fryermuth briefly. Yeah, let's let's try to cover everyone regardless of who wins because I would vote Ajolari through too. So he's our first winner. Ajolari is going to win this. Uh, Fryermuth, I think, got similar. I, th- I would almost say similarly to the Leatherwood and maybe a Greg Rousseau. Guys that were the anointed, you know, the prince who was promised for the the future, like the right after the 2020 draft, the the immediate mock drafts. It's like, all right, Fryermuth is the next Gronk, Rousseau is the next whoever, and uh, Leatherwood's the next Ronnie Stanley, whatever. Um, so Fryermuth, I was really disappointed for his size, the t- polish and the strength that he brings as a blocker is not impressive. Um, it's okay. It was very average. And if you're tossing Gronk around, Gronk, Raven specific, Gronk laid Terrell Suggs out a couple times. Gronk is a mean, nasty, like, just like Nick Boyle, capable of being a, left, a tackle if that's all he ever wanted to be. He's Best right. blocking tight end of all time. Exactly. It, yes, exactly. Um, certainly in, you know, my lifetime. And so Fryermuth, you say baby Gronk, I'm expecting a badass who's going to be folding in defensive ends in college. I didn't see that. What you see with Fryermuth, though, I think his his trump card is that he catches every single pass thrown to him over the middle of the field. He is a ball magnet, a ball vacuum, whatever you want to call it. He suction cups the football in. He has great hand strength to the catch point, plays through contact. You can hit him in his – I saw him take a shot. I can't remember the game anymore. It's been a while. He took a helmet shot, a target, ejection in his, like below his rib protector, in his back, caught the ball, bounced right up, good to go. Um, He kind of like is a moose in the open field. I see the Gronk there a little bit. I think Gronk is just faster and more special, whatever. Uh, He's got got some ability, and I think he'll be a good pass catcher. I think he's like a little more nimble Kyle Rudolph more than he is a Gronk uh, in that sense. But I like him, and I think he'll be, you know, second or third tight end off the board. But uh, Draft range? Let's say, I mean, I can, I can see decently high second round. I could, especially because there's pits. There's got to be teams that are, you know, at the back end of the first round that want a tight end. They're looking at it. Some pretty good, pretty complete teams. Maybe a Packers or teams like that. The Jaguars could probably use a tight end, right? The Bears are going to take him. I mean, we can just sit Jaguars here and like say that right now. The Bears, they're, they're just going to add a sixth tight end to their roster and like do whatever with, you know, Pat Fryermuth and, you know, all these other Jamokes that they yeah, I can see him. I can see him in the in the navy blue and oh, orange yeah. the bears be, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> he looks be. just like it, right? Will this is <laughs> <laughs> that got me good? Unnecessary shot at the bears by me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the one so I have a question for us, veering off slightly. The Ravens have nine picks. They're going to draft a tight end, right? The Baltimore. Let's think about it existentially. The Baltimore Ravens have nine picks. There's no way they don't walk out of a draft. Or they if they pick eight, if they end. pick eight or nine, I think yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, I I think I mocked I mocked McKinney to them. In the they might today. They might like Oliver but, a lot though. 
Yeboa, that's what I was going to say, but they just traded for Oliver, so I'm not, I'm not sure. If they do, it should be late. We're talking. Maybe Yeboa, that's Ozzy. Maybe uh, that's Ozzy, not Kitty. Yeah, that's definitely an Aussie thing because they he, resigned Tomlinson. You know, they they resigned. Oh, Tomlinson. they've got they've they, got plenty of. I mean, like Luke Will, Luke Wilson is always on speed dial. Wow, hell yeah! Like, you know, those two guys that they stashed last year, um, they got a lot of tenants. We'll see. McKitty, I like McKitty though. I like McKitty as well. He's worth a flyer. I mean, six round flyer, hell yeah. He yeah. It was sick of the super Senior Bowl, and that's enough for me. I'm I'm big on the the Senior Bowl. Uh, performers. He was great in individual drills, great in 11 on 11, and, and had a good game, I think, too. So I think he yeah. put himself solidly into a position to be drafted there. Okay. So in that, so we got Ajolari going through, got some words in on Pat Fryermuth there. So I guess we can also kind of just wipe out another another kind of obvious one here. Alex Leatherwood, who we touched on versus Rashad Bateman, a one versus an eight seed. I think Alex Leatherwood actually got a vote on this bracket so far, which is actually kind of <laughs> sick. I uh, was not expecting our listeners and uh, the Ravens fan base to go against Rashad Bateman at all. Like in any respect, I think he's going to fucking run away with this thing. Um, we'll see what happens with ours, but certainly with the fan vote. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, first first impressions. He, he's okay. High high floor, low ceiling. He, I saw, I think, I can't remember, mm, Thor Nystrom, who works for NBC Roto World, if I'm not mistaken. Good, good draft NBC guy. Sports Edge, I think it's called. NBC now. Sports Edge, right. Yeah. Uh, so he does a top 500, and he does, he just goes, he ranks them, does an entire big board, does a player, puts their RAS next to them, and then does a player comparison. Uh, for Leatherwood, he had Cam Robinson, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. A little mm-hmm. bit underachieving in the NFL because of the big name at Bama, the, the big star recruit. So I think, pro, like, career trajectory-wise, I could see that. Leatherwood, to me, is a very – he's a first-round run block, blocker overall, in a man, especially in a man-gap system. I think he is a first-round run blocker. He strikes inconsistently. He kind of – he's not very sudden with his strikes, with his punches. He kind of, like, you can see it coming, so edge rushers kind of can shake it and dip it. He ends up hitting guys in the hands all in the face all the time with his hands. The, the, the strikes are not there. And so it's like, okay, well, we can develop this guy. But that's the thing. When you're talking about Bama, you're talking about a program that has training staff, that has coaches that are NFL quality. So how much more are guys at Bama going to develop? I think that's the the thing that people have latched onto, especially with this offensive line. They're probably a little bit closer to their ceiling than most other prospects. They have been competing against the best in practice, in games. They've been coached by Saban. They've been coached by a litany of, you know, offensive coordinators that get the the revamp out of the NFL and then go get their own program. So uh, Leatherwood, to me, is a good piece. I, I think he's somewhere maybe a little – he's, you know, Fluker would be like if his entire career is shit, he ends up DJ Fluker. And uh, I think a, a, a 50% for him is Cam Robinson. I do think there's a world where he's very good. Uh, and a solid option, but yeah, he I, he would make sense for the Ravens in the second round. Right. He would make sense for the Ravens in the second round because the Ravens can mask his flaws, and, and like other teams can't. Lamar um, can mask his flaws too. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I think he's a decent player. He's probably he's a guard on a lot of teams, I think. But um, he played yeah, some he, guard. He, he played right guard for twenty eighteen or or nineteen. Yeah, one of them. No, uh, and then well, he came in for. Uh, for Jonah in the uh, in the natty, yep, and held it down when Jonah got hurt. 
And then he played a little bit of guard. Then he's been team captain, all American, you know, Five Allen star. Trophy winner, all that stuff. Um, great, so I think great it would make sense name, for the Ravens. I but against Bateman, yeah. I think you have to go Bateman. I really do. I know you guys love Bateman. He's my fourth wide receiver, and I would vote Bateman. Bateman definitely gets the vote, so we'll put Bateman. Bateman, I will just briefly say, we've touched on him so much, but Bateman, I think, has become like the number one media darling. Easily. Like, not just in the Ravens. I think he's like everyone's... He's he's everyone says he's this year's Justin Jefferson. Oh, but you're also man. you're also getting you're also getting a lot of I don't know if I'd say a lot, but like there are media people who say like NFL teams actually don't love Bateman as much as the media does. Right, right. Which I, is curious. I I have a like I almost might put money down. I don't know what Bateman's over under is, but I have a very funny feeling he ends up going in the second round. I don't feel that way. I like him a lot. It's well documented. I don't even need we don't need to talk about him. But I have a feeling he falls. Him and Deami Brown, I saw someone put their uh, entire mock draftable profile next to each other. It is literally the exact same. The short the short shuttle is the same. The three cone is the same. The size is the same. The length is the same. Every single thing is the same. And uh, it was it was interesting to see that because you think of Deami Brown as someone, you know, he's the Z. He's not going to be able to fight over the middle of the field. And then Bateman, you think of the, the traditional X, quote unquote, and uh, it was it was interesting to see that profile wise, but we do love some Bateman, so he's going to advance here. Any thoughts on uh, him potentially partnering or becoming a sponsor of Bill Bateman's, which we're a huge fan of on this podcast? That would be he would get his own sauce. You know, that would be ideal. They would name the game Tiger after sauce. him for sure. Uh, okay, so that is that matchup. I guess we can move up here in what I believed I dubbed the Natty Bow Conference up to uh, our four and five seed on that side with Terrace Marshall Jr., the fourth seed, versus Richie Grant. Voss, your guy, the fifth seed, a wide receiver versus a safety here. Give us the Richie Grant love story, Voz. Give it to us. Uh, he's a hitter in the box. He has great range. He's a little bit older for a prospect, but Ed Reed was 24, um, and uh What's the guy from uh, the Bears? Eddie Jackson was 24 when he was drafted, too. Um, I think he's a hell of a player. Ball hawk. I think 10 interceptions, seven forced fumbles. He was a two-time or three-time all-conference performer. National champion he, a couple years ago. That's right. National champion. The uh, the Knights. And I think he'd be great, man. I know we talk about provisional value, but I consider a free safety a premium position, not strong safety, certainly not strong safety, but a free safety, a ball hawk. The Ravens really need a safety. I think they're equally as thin at safety as they are at outside linebacker right now. Outside linebacker, they have Bowser, McPhee, and Ferguson. At safety, they have Clark and Elliott, and that's it. And two years ago, they played dime on 40% of all snaps. And last year, that was cut in half. Uh, I'm sorry, it might not be 40, it might be 20%. Anyway, they play a lot of dime. I don't remember exactly. But uh, I think safety is a big need. And I do like Grant. Brugler's number one safety for whatever that's worth. And I think Brugler's one of the best in the business. Um, so that's my uh, that's my pitch for Richie Grant. I, I'm voting for Grant. <laughs> I like to hear it. Uh, Grant is awesome in, in man coverage. He has really strong man coverage skills. He, him and Morig, honestly, in terms of being able to play off men from too high uh, splits in, in like quarters or match quarters or whatever you want to call it, uh, they both are 
outstanding over the last couple of draft classes in the ability to cover in man. Very, very, very good. Uh, yeah, Grant, I, th- I think Grant is a little bit better against the run than Merrick as well. Uh, I, I like Grant a lot. The ball production is really good. I see there's some, he seems to kind of wear out late in games to me, get a little sloppy with the tackling a little bit, but you mentioned he's older. I don't care that he's older. What, like, if you can play, you can play. If you give me a good rookie contract, I am ecstatic. If you give me six years, I'm ecstatic. How many guys even play 10 years? Probably, what, 2% of the the guys that are- Well, the comp pick value wouldn't be as high if they they shave off a couple million because he's older. Four years from now, you know? That's very true. Listen, you have to consider all the <laughs> Yeah. We're thinking chess. You're thinking checkers over there. <laughs> We're playing Mahjong. <laughs> you, ever, you ever actually try to play that? Yeah. It's pretty good. It is fun. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> do you have a soundboard for Mahjong? Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, Pick your Mahjong soundboard. Whatever. So, shout out to his family. That's all I can think of. That was pretty That was good enough. Uh, yeah, but Richie Grant to me, he's going to come in. He's going to play well. He's He can play in the slot if you need to. And Vaz, your comments are very right. Safety, it, Chuck Clark hasn't missed a down in a long time. You know, guys don't just play forever. Deshaun Elliott obviously has missed a lot of downs. So you are down Shit's Creek without a paddle if you don't come out of this draft with someone that you feel confident in playing this year, I think. So that's why Merrick makes a lot of sense to me. That's why Grant makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Grant, I feel like is a strong candidate as well. I think he probably tested better than Merrick. Merrick had, uh, like 80%, you know, he's, he had a back thing and said he was at 80%, but, uh, then the other half of this pendulum is Terrace Marshall. And he is just someone who perplexes me. The there's easy, there's easy narratives for Terrace Marshall Jr. The easy narratives are he went to LSU and he's a wide receiver. Like someone said that on the article I wrote about him. And I was like, shit, every single one of their receivers does do well. Don't they? Uh, I was like, okay. And that's why I like Elijah Moore as well. You know, Ole Miss puts out some good wide receivers. Marshall just, <sighs> I, I put I put in my tweet for my article, there's a lot to love. It's easy to like him. It's hard to love him. There are red flags. There's a little bit of stiffness. There's drops. Um, he's weak in the run game. He gets pushed. He gets his shit pushed in as a run blocker. But he's the best contested catch receiver in this draft. According to PFF, in terms of contested catch yeah. numbers, uh, Sports Info Solutions has him right up there as well. I think they actually had Devontae Smith higher in percentage. Uh, but it's – I just don't feel like he is what Ravens fans think he is. He's an uncertainty at a position where they need certainty. But he has 23 touchdowns in the SEC in 17 games. It's it's Listen, I agree. Like, the production, I think, is good. But as far as just a projection goes, it just feels like they're – and, like, you know, I like I saw some Perryman stuff. Around. It's like, guys, Perryman was a fucking projection. This guy, like, he's going to be good somewhere. Marshall is a five-star. Yeah, like, he's going to be good somewhere. I just – I don't know. Like, it just feels like Green you're – Green Bay. You're, you're taking a little bit of a risk if you're putting him – yeah, if you're putting him in an offense with two new coaches installed, they're going to be bringing their own things and they're – you know, who knows what Harbaugh is going to want out of them and out of his rookies and all that kind of stuff. It just feels like there there are, as much as I like him, it just feels like there are other guys that you can, you're not gambling on as much. And with the contested catch thing, a lot of it is downfield stuff, but I think the contested catches are needed like in the nitty gritty 
five to 15 yard range of the Ravens offense right now. And I feel like when you talk contested catches with him, it's a lot of just like flicking his arms out and like doing a lot of great adjustments to the ball, not being a dominant physical presence. Right. Yeah. It's different than like strength. It's not an Anquan Bolden type thing where you're just muscling a guy in an elevator shaft. You're like squeezing the ball on their head and there's nothing they can do to get it out. Right. Yeah. It's it's more athleticism, which is fine against SEC DBs, but it's going to get a little bit harder in the AFC North. Well, that's talking Terrace Marshall. He, you know, People say Boykin is similar, whatever. I don't think that's true. But either way, Boykin's no. gone after next year. So Terrace Marshall's four plus years. So that I, I think Marshall's uh, yard under the catch ability is a little bit underrated. Very. He makes some nice plays, turning up field, and he's kind of leggy, but he just he's he fucking fast. Go. He's he really go. fast. He kind of yeah. reminds me of like a diet Jamar Chase, like way diet Jamar Chase. Kind of with the long arms and like Jefferson, he's good after the he kind of reminds me of Jefferson a little bit. Yeah, I can see honest. that too. Um, they all yeah. have a little similarities. He, his thing is that that's similar to Jefferson, but Jefferson is way more flexible than him. Marshall can't like imagine Hollywood Brown running like a dig. He is going to hit his stem and come right back downhill in full speed. There's his very flexible feet, ankles, all that stuff. Marshall can't full speed a route, so he'll run the the seven steps into the dig at eighty percent, and then. As he hits the stem, he will go to 100%. So he has to burst out of it. The problem with that is if Jalen Ramsey or freaking Joe Hayden or a professional technical corner is playing you and you're not running 100%, they're going to get their hands on you and he's not strong enough to fight through that at the stem. I don't see him fighting through contact at the stem enough. So again, he is only 20 years old. He has a tall frame. He could obviously gain strength, whatever. But I just don't think he's a perfect prospect. And you guys already voted on Grant, so we're going Grant. Richie Grant goes through. Uh, that is a, our first upset, I believe, a five over a four there. And uh, rounding out this side of the conference, he got Jalen Phillips as a two at edge there, going up against Tevin Jenkins uh, at tackle as a seven seed, who was one of our wild cards that we seeded in. This is a tough one. I want to hear, Vaz, give me your thoughts on, on Jalen Phillips. I don't think I've heard your thoughts on Jalen Phillips. Um, he's an athletic freak. He can, he has, he's very refined. He's a good pass rusher. The injury risk is very concerning to me. Uh, I personally, um, I think it's, and I did see that at one point UCLA medically DQ'd him, but then actually they were mistreating or mis-evaluating him. And then he was the one that opted out a little bit of a cloudy fuzzy history there um he is do you, th- do you think he's fool's gold then do you think he is uh he had that one year at miami and then he's not going to be able to be an nfl professional for five years i don't know i just I'm, I'm skittish about injury risk players in the first round after perryman really um if perryman never got hurt who knows you know what happened but we just don't know what it is either. Is it, ju- I mean, is it was just the concussions? One. He was in, wasn't he in the same recruiting class as uh, Lawrence and Fields? Or was yeah. he the year before? Uh, he might have been the year before. Since he, the year before. He might have been. Yeah. But yeah, he was a number one player. I've been aware of this guy for a long time. Um, I don't know. He doesn't quite do it for me, and I think it's mostly injury-related. I'm personally a huge Jenkins fan. I would love to see him teabagging Steelers after put him in the ground. Damn, and, uh, you know, I, I think he has a potential to be a better version of Orlando Brown Jr. halfway through his rookie season if uh, with, with a few 
refinements in his technique. So to me, I don't know. I, I, going, I like Phillips. I like Phillips, but there's a couple other. He's probably fifth. Um, I think he's fifth on my edge list, mostly because of injuries. If he was had a clean bill of health, he'd definitely be higher. Spenny, who are you taking? Hmm. I think I have to take Phillips. I think I have to take Phillips because I see a lot of Joey Bosa. I see a lot of the movement skill of Joey Bosa, the side scissors. Joey Bosa has a boat, and uh, I think the name is is two swipe or double swipe or something because he just two hand swipes you to death. Jalen Phillips. What if he adds that. another move to his repertoire and it's going to be like Belichick changing the seven rings to eight rings like every freaking year because it's like, hey, dude, like maybe just give it another name or do the Tony <laughs> Soprano and call it Stugatz, which means a uh, dick. Yeah, the Stugatz, <laughs> Pio mine. Uh, the two, the two best little little nugget names of Sopranos, Piomai and Stugatz. Uh, but anyway, Phillips, I don't think he had. I don't know a ton about Miami's defensive uh, exact methodology. I can't even remember their defensive coordinator's name off the top of my head, and it's pissing me off. Uh, he didn't have a ton of run responsibility, I don't think, in terms of the edge. I do think he is probably best suited to play a more traditional defensive end role. Um, but with that being said, he can win through you with a bull with a long arm. He has great hand placement. He can get around you. He has enough bend. He can rip. He can he can chop advanced hands, and he has a nice swim inside. He can hezzy and uh, just chop your arms down and get inside. And he has really strong pursuit skills. When quarter when mobile, I I imagine him sacking Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the type of dude. Patrick Mahomes is fucking hard to sack when he starts moving around. I, ha- I was thinking about this today. It's a very basic thought. I just think he is capable of wrangling down Patrick Mahomes, and that reason makes me like him very much. Um, standing as the Ravens rush might be a little bit of a question mark at first, but the pass rushing ability is going to be fantastic. And again, the pedigree is insane. He tested insane. He hits the measurables. I was, ta- I was tweeting it out. This was my thing for edge rushers. I'm, I'm looking at the, the analytical methodology, which is at least jumping 9-9 on the broad and having a sub 7-2-3 cone. Then the Ravens basically only draft edge rushers with 33-plus inch arms, 22 tackles for loss, and at least one season of eight sacks. Phillips is one of the three guys in this class who hits all of those. Um, so I think the Ravens like him a lot. I don't think he's going to be on the board, but long story short, I'm going Phillips. Onus is on me, uh, and I'm going with a 7-2 upset for Tevin Jenkins to go through here defeating Jalen Phillips. Uh, I love Jenkins for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Voss. I think he uh, has a chance to be you know, similar to Orlando Brown and maybe better in my eyes, maybe even a little more mobile. Uh, you know, it's, I just think it's kind of a perfect fit and, uh, he might be, it's interesting as a seven seed that he's probably going to be in conversations for their first pick there at 27 or maybe even a jump up, but, uh, I love him. Jenkins is a badass man. He's a mauler. Uh, he has versatility. He's played some left tackle. He's played some guard. His length is good. Not great. He doesn't hit that 34 inch arm threshold, but Polishes there. The dirt you know what? You know what threshold there. he does hit is the Rex Specs threshold. You love a good offensive lineman with Rex Specs. That's so fucking true. So true. He's ugly too. Like he he's not going to wear a foxtail or do any of that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. There's no. There's none of this. Like none of the drama and all this kind of crap. Like you know. God love you, Orlando Brown. I hope you know many good things happen. Can we just get an ugly, quiet, great right tackle for the next five years? That would be sick. 
He likes to get shocked by a cattle prod. He's not getting like know, in the locker room. Not getting stanced <laughs> up with fucking Mark Andrews and Baker Mayfield wearing a leather jacket. Like, will he will he eat fifty like burgers from some shit ass buffet? Is he that t- like? I want to I want a damn offensive. Some lineup. kind of like stupid sports science <laughs> segment where he's like dragging a truck and on Ryan chains. Stanley, and Ryan like, Stanley is not a, a diva, but he's a little bit too classy too. He's always eating the A five wagon. He's he's some he's Euro trash. He likes Bayern yeah, Munich. Yeah. He's from Vegas. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, can we get a dirt? Can we get a dirty grungy motherfucker just to play a, right just tackle. a country boy blue collar yes exactly so that's we had one he doesn't have the feet for it he's got to kick inside yeah that's, big yeah. country yeah we got big country <laughs> well he's gonna be he's gonna be a running back by the by the time the season rolls around isn't he contract's too big he was drafted too high okay <laughs> but uh there it is so we got that entire half uh, into the second round. So we got Jenkins, we got Grant, we got Ajilari, and we got Bateman. So, ooh, shit's getting tough over there. It is. So first off, you got uh, Trevon Morig at the top uh, versus Elijah Moore, the eighth seed, not the fourth seed, because I am an idiot and drew this up way too quickly. Okay. This is the Dundalk region. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take Trevon Morig, dude. I was just watching his tape from TCU the other day while I was on YouTube on the 95 Expressway, totally held up in traffic as usual. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good though man I think he's going to be real good Lamar's not going to be able to hit Elijah Moore down the field take Mo Rig see if they had Flacco I would take Elijah Moore personally but Jackson just can't hit them throws man we got, we got one Hollywood already we don't need another one hand picked Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss okay so that's that was really that was talking done dog that was really good uh, great job by us there um, I was good that was very good yeah, okay. Well, Trevon Morig, Elijah Moore. Excuse gentlemen. This is really tough. I love Elijah Moore. And more of the, the smokescreen news week is that Moore is pretty much the consensus number four receiver. Which uh, is kind of crazy, considering like literally where we were like a week ago. Right. And yeah. Is it though? I don't think it is. No, I'm not saying like as far as player evaluation, like I think he's that good, but also like where was this consensus even a week or two ago? Right. Peter Schrager is like very heavy into his intel saying Kadarius Tony. I think Peter Schrager gets fucking lied to a lot. He's got yeah. I don't believe his his intel. At Me all. neither. <laughs> I think I think he is the. If I were working in the front office and I wanted to put out smoke screens, I'd be like, bring me that fucking guy with the face. <laughs> Guys, I'm hearing. I love. I like Schrager. I'd be like, give me, give me that fucking guy. You um, know who else they do that to? Is Schrager is incredible. Well, it's just like the Orlando Browns is probably the best thing. It's the best thing we're going to do. Elijah Moore's got serious injury concerns, and I just don't know. I, just, I don't know, Kenny. It's, 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 kids, we got a goldfish. At, at the Maryland State Fair, we get a goldfish, and I had them pick, and they said Elijah Moore. They, 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 they Elijah said Elijah Moore. Moore. Uh, Kenny, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That was it's funny when he gets going, and then he gets into like, that raspy voice. And he he gets choked up, and he's just like... <laughs> He's really in the zone when he has that like rasp going on. He like just needs to take a breath of air. But you can, you can just picture his eyes just bulging out of his head. Just just red face. Uh, all right. Uh, Elijah Moore. Here's Elijah a guy. Moore. Elijah Moore. Here's a guy. Todd, Todd, Todd. Elijah Moore makes people mad because of Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay is not Elijah Moore. So getting that out yeah. of the way. Doesn't drop the ball. Tough as shit over the middle of the field. Runs a 4-3-4. Had incredible production in the SEC. Big-time recruit from a big-time high school. 
AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, I think he has a little bit of that blood. He's not big like them, but he's got that toughness to him. I think he's got that persona to him a little bit. The short shuttle and the three cone were like insane. He's a returner type. He is incredible against zone coverage. And uh, Matt Harmon, who's one of my favorite wide receiver specialists, he he is the best data on wide receivers, the reception perception. Uh, he, you, if you want to learn more about receivers, you can pay, I think, $10 a month or something. And go subscribe to his deal at Matt Harmon. But more crushes man coverage and crushes zone coverage and doesn't drop the ball over the middle of the field and can run any route. That's a lot of good things in one. I see Antonio Brown very, very much. I don't think he's quite as like sneakily strong after the catch to stiff arm someone or something like that. But I truly do think he's going to be a guy who catches 100 balls in in seasons. I think he is perfect for the Arizona Cardinals. I think he is perfect for the Titans. Um, I think he has a lot of really good fits ahead of the Ravens. Maybe the Ravens aren't the perfect fit. But like I just said, Hollywood Brown and Boykin, their contracts are going to be up after next year. Who knows what's going to happen with Hollywood? You're getting security. Moore can play on the outside. He can beat press coverage. He's very technically sound. He's strong after the catch. That's my my case for Moore. Um, I don't know how you guys stand on him. I love him too. I think uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, he's just got insane body control, really creative after the catch with the ball in his hands and uh, just a lot of stuff that I think the Ravens offense could use right now. I think I made a point on Twitter this morning about people kind of bemoaning the whole slot type thing. It's like at a certain point at a position that is just hilariously, you're just hilariously woe begotten. Like you just got to pick good players and the guy is really fucking good. And right now there's Sammy Watkins. Who's a little bit bigger too. Right. Mark Andrews. Like he's, you know, I mean, he doesn't line up outside a ton, but he's got the size that you would want. And uh, he does run a lot of like flag routes and stuff like that, which could open up the inside for him. So I don't know. It's just, I think it's a good fit no matter the the slot or not situation. But uh, so you yeah. guys are going with Eli. I'm picking Morig. Just, I just feel like okay. I have to. I love Elijah Moore though. I feel like Morig is the type of player that wins a Super Bowl. He is so comfortable, calm, collected, communicates, so precise the dude is never out of place and the interesting part about this exercise too is i feel like they could wind up with both of them in separate rounds that would be if they could trade if they could take this is this is my one philosophy i'm thinking of it's like they could trap they could with these two picks of course you can trade back whatever but i assume they're going to be picking one and once in the first round and once in the top 50 at at the minimum i would think you don't trade the 58th pick to go get the 58th pick but if you can get a, a one for now, one for later, as opposed to a two for now or a two for later, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Morig is the one for now a little bit with the range, with with what he's able to do deep. I think that opens things up, and I think the Ravens are going to need him. I think they're going to need a safety. I don't think it's likely that Clark and Elliott play 34 combined games. More is a little bit of the now and a little bit of the later. So that would be a really interesting combo to me if they're confident they can bring in Villanueva and get guys other where, other elsewhere. So I'm going to go more just because I want to put it in Vaz's court to pick between. You got the onus. Call him Onus Wagner. Uh, this is a tough one. Very, very tough one. Uh, Morig, um great player. Very smooth. He's my top safety, <clears throat> even above Grant. It means a total package, you know. He's one of those he really is. He really that is. comes along every couple of years and usually goes in the top 15, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. The only 
So the safety class is pretty solid, I think. You have Holland, you it's have right. Cisco, you have Jamar Johnson, you have Gillespie from Missouri, who I think is a little underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are those are only the free types. Then you got quite a few box types. You got you got a ton of them. You got a ton. Washington, of yeah, but they really don't need that. Um, no, they don't need a box type. The idea would be to get a free, and then you can kick Clark down in the box to help with communication. He's better on tight ends, all that stuff. All right, let me think about this more. Elliot's Elliot's contract is up this year, right? He's sneaky yeah. been around for a while. Elliot's so a free got, agent. Everybody's so concerned to replace the defensive tackles, but you have, and I think um, what's his name? Uh, Gino Stone. Gino Stone Gino is Stane. the James Prochet of defense. Oh yeah, that's a great comparison. <laughs> I'll save that one. He didn't make the team. They caught him in season. They signed how many so different weird. guys off the street? Then he goes to another team. Then he's sitting out on free agency. Then they bring him back, and now he's going to be your dime safety. Give me a break. So weird. he's just a guy who he's one of the guys who a lot of people are like, oh, classic great Ravens pick in the seventh round, and people just don't forget that. Right. Yeah, but he he left, <laughs> and then As he, a he did it for the whole year. And they signed like how, they signed what four different they, yeah they they play above him. They have ta- stopped they have, playing dime completely. They have tacitly acknowledged what they think of Geno Stone. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Eli. I think Moore is – I like him a lot. I like him way more than Tony, to be honest. Tony, I, like I think, is a little bit too improvisational for the Ravens style. And – Tony's just more dangerous after the catch, and I think Moore does pretty much everything better, like other than, yeah, just not breaking tackles and being All quite right. as dangerous. I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball and go Moore. Spenny, Spenny's Ooh. been pumping him up since the beginning of the cycle, and I can't lie, I bought in at this point. That is an eight seed over a one seed. Get off the field, Trevon Morig. You just got wow. the mega upset. That is wow. UMBC <laughs> taking down Virginia. Morig's really fucking good. He's sick. He's sick. He was an eight. I mean, that's a really good eight seed. That I'm, is a really good eight I'm glad seed. we seeded those wild cards in. Yes, we did. Um, wow, that's a big one. Okay, we're getting we're getting deep. Sheesh. Yeah, that's interesting. I think he's kind of running. Uh, Morig is kind of running away with it, but it was close for a little bit there on the fan vote. Uh, so interesting, interesting. Okay, Elijah Moore, an eight over a one seed in the uh, Western Conference. I think you could come back and get a comparable, maybe not a comparable, but a pretty damn solid free safety. But I think Elijah's. The best, far and away, the best slot in the draft. Okay, so would he be the best? If you can get Holland or Grant in like the second round, if you trade back your money, I've noticed you're trending towards Eli too. Would he be the best Eli from Ole Miss? People are asking. Um, Potentially, Uh, if he's on the Super Bowl, two Super Bowl winning teams, I guess he's an automatic Hall of Famer. You got to think so. Well, it depends on his last name, but yeah. Uh, Okay, so. Big upset there. And then moving on to our five and our four <coughs> matchup, which is Aleem McNeil, big D tackle versus Landon Dickerson, the big O lineman in the uh, interior. This one is actually an intriguing matchup just because of Dickerson's injury history. Um, so I know Vaz, I know you're not big on the injury history, but Dickerson brings exactly what the Ravens need physically in terms of physicality, finishing, violence, and the attitude that they need on the offensive side of the football with Marshall Yonda gone. They need some shit kickers. I'm so sick of Matt Skura and Pat McCarry and these tiny little centers that get, you know, they have to, they have to be technicians and be so precise in order to win because they can't handle gigantic motherfuckers like Aleem McNeil. But, uh, <laughs> Dickerson's Dickerson's tough, but at the same time, McNeil gives you, you know, 
You can finally maybe walk away from Brandon Williams. Vaz's eyes just lit up like a kid in a freaking seeing a Corvette for the first time. Um, seeing something for the first time. Ooh, some titties. Uh, McNeil, McNeil gives you the ability to walk away from Brandon Williams. He immediately can come in and, and make sure that if Brandon Williams goes down, you're fine. And then there's no more of that fucking talk. I already talked about his bounce rate on this show. If you run at his gap, the running back has to go somewhere else half the time. Uh, 49% bounce rate. Highest in the class. He's got length. He can fuck the pocket up, and he can run for about 10 yards at a really, really weird fast rate and, and go rush the passer. So this is a very, very, very tough matchup. I don't think either of them are round one players. Uh, definitely not McNeil, probably. Uh, I, I'm higher on him than pretty much anyone, but Dickerson, you know, the injuries as well. Maybe the Raiders take Dickerson or something that, you know, you can never count out the Raiders to do something wild, but this is a tough one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Dickerson. I'm going to count on uh, him. The fact that he's been able to rebound from injury already and play at a high level again makes me confident that he, you know, is able to, his body's able to heal. He's, he's a dedicated person, has a good rehab process, the right mindset, all that kind of stuff. So I think he can come back and, and play at a high level. Uh, I think he would provide more immediate value than, than McNeil. Voss, what do you got here? Um, that's a good case. I mean, there's Spencer McNeil, who notably is one of the youngest players in the class. He's not even 21 years old yet or won't be the start of the season. Everybody hates his defensive line class, and I'm not a big fan either, but there are a ton of run stuffers that can be decent Brandon Williams replacements potentially. Um, Dickerson I'm very familiar with. He started out at Florida State, which is my college team. Quite a few injuries, but I think the intangibles that everybody raves about with him combined with that freaky size, I mean, he's going to be one of the biggest interior linemen in the uh, the game when he comes in. Um, Gives him definite guard versatility if they find a Absolutely, center. guard versatility. He could probably play some right tackle too. Right. Uh, you know, I am not – I'm probably my maybe my one huge minority opinion this draft cycle is I'm not interested in guard only uh, pl- prospects early in the draft. I just I much rather double dip at offensive tackle and get a guy that has guard versatility. Um, but Dickerson I think has potentially tackle versatility, and I think center is probably the third most important position on the line. So I will vote Dickerson. There we go. I was going to go with him as well. So that is a clean sweep there for Landon Dickerson over Aline McNeil. And that brings us down to Brevin Jordan, the sixth seed at tight end versus Christian Barmore, another D tackle as a third seed. Where do you guys stand on Jordan right now? I, I know we've, I feel like we, uh, I feel like we talked about him a lot early in this draft process. And I feel like uh, he's kind of just been on the, on the back burner for a while. I like him. I think he's a good chess piece. I think he's kind of a good sort of hybrid between what you have right now with Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews um, and could, you know, maybe be a good receiving option from day one, which is, I think, again, what I think I'm or what we're hinting at is getting X amount of starting players with Voss. It's four. You know, I, I could probably agree with that. And I think you might be able to get him for decent value at even a little bit later than uh, some of these other guys. Like you're not, I feel like you mentioned Pat Fryermuth as like an early second round guy. I feel like you can get Jordan a little bit later and uh, I like, yeah, I like him. I was very disappointed by his testing. He did not test very well. And it's concerning for a guy that you're potentially looking at He's a little bit undersized. He was great with the yards after the catch. One of the better players, especially tight ends. Yards after the, catch. And the Ravens, um, 
I added it up. They their yards after the catch from the tight end slash fullback position were cut in half from 2019 to 2020. Um, so it's definitely an area that you want to improve in. But I've soured on him a little bit, to be honest. I feel like a lot of people have. Um, what I, I think what I like about him though is that like he he runs routes. It feels like I feel like with some tight ends, especially younger ones, it's just like run straight or like do maybe one like an they inner kind, and they out. They kind of wall off a DB and work around. It's a very them. top heavy. Like he's got. It feels like he's a little more like sudden. evenly distributed and sudden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He can he can hit some breaks. I think he definitely has a lot of receiver to him. I think he's an underrated blocker. He's I think he has a lot to work with as a blocker. He's not you know six five or six six, but uh, he's he's solid and. I think he's 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 like the sweetheart tight end. Like everybody's like, all right, yeah, you, you can go take pits, but if you don't get pits and you're you're the Jags or whoever, or a team that needs a tight end, you can go get Jordan later. And there's been Jonu Smith comps to him, and I, I definitely see it a little bit. I see a little bit uh, in terms of Barmore. People are all over the place on Barmore. There's some some people that have him in the third round that that hate Christian Barmore. I think he does one of the two most valuable things. Uh, that you can do as a non-quarterback, and that is beat up on guards and centers inside as a pass rusher and do it consistently. Uh, I see some Chris Jones to him. I am also of the belief that the one of the best people to help bring along a young defensive lineman that's a little bit raw in the run game is Calais Campbell. He is like, it's like he's like Shaq's uncle or something. Like when you watch him talk with, uh, why is his name escaping me? Baldy, Brian Baldinger. On the NFL Game Pass, the he he Clay's Campbell has a series of YouTube videos that he did himself talking about pass rushing moves and how to how to do drills and stuff. Like he fucking loves teaching people how to rush the passer, how to play the run, what proper fits are, what proper techniques are. He is just like he's the president. Clay you know, Jamal Adams calls himself the president. Clay fuck that. Clay's Campbell is the real president of the NFL. He is such a presidential. He's your president. Yeah, he's my president. Um, such a presidential defensive lineman methodology i think bringing him in i think barmore couldn't land in a better place than baltimore uh i don't think at all i think of any team in the nfl that was going to get the most out of him i think it is baltimore i think that him and matt Boyke in two years from now would be fucking nuts uh, i think that would be awesome I, I'm, I'm going barmore the length the get off the ability to contort his body all that good stuff great great phonetic uh marriage there to barmore to baltimore yes so uh, absolutely Just the important stuff yep he uh he doesn't have a lengthy track net record necessarily and some of the bama defensive front players sometimes seem like they're a little bit propped up by the surrounding talent exhibit right. a some of the guys the ravens have drafted over the years terrence cody yeah yeah um and i also think um I saw somewhere that he played a low percentage of their snaps last season. Yes, he did. He played like most. 40, he played more on third down. percent, something like that. Um, any concern? And he's going to advance definitely for me. But any concern of that he's redundant with Adebike, or do you think there's a there's a obviously the more interior pass rushers you have, the better. I think that he can play a hybrid three five tech in a three four kind of like Campbell, whereas Matabuike is is really just going to be your three-tech and your weak side three-tech. Um, I like having both of them, and I think they would be – Barmore's tall, long. Um, I He bats a lot of passes, that kind of profile. Matabuike is a little more stocky and, and faster yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So I think – Positionally, you know, it's it's kind of like having a wolf and having a Campbell a little bit where 
Barmore might be a little more of like a almost a defensive end, but he's not. Um, so I, I think that would be a, a good combo to have. And God forbid, you know, in a in a in a Brian Billick, Ozzie Newsome fantasy world, there is a, a way that you can put a Lee McNeil and Christian Barmore with uh, Justin Matabuike in this draft. If that was a possibility, that would be nutty, and you would hate that buzz. Yeah, I uh, I would have thrown. <laughs> I would have, I mean, that's kind of why I would have thrown a vote for Jordan, you know, just kind of like the whole run stuffing stuff and all that kind of like, I, I've been very open that I'm kind of all in on offense this offseason. And as much as I like Barmore, a, a tight end that can be kind of that move tight end and maybe contribute from day one, maybe even make some noise out of the backfield, which I always think is pretty fun and would be cool for a Greg Roman offense. I would have voted for him, but I can totally understand Barmore going through. So he does that. And uh, that takes us to our last matchup of round one here, which is a two seed in Creed Humphrey which Spenny had a fun little time making a video of the other day, and Joe Tryon, a very strong seven seed there. This one's a fun-ass matchup. Uh, two guys that I just re-watched both of. Two guys? Two guys. I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> oh, boy. That was perfect. Um, Creed, again, He his testing shocked me. Shocked me. Not because I don't think he is a good athlete, but because I was shocked to see him crush Eric McCoy. Uh, McCoy was a guy who was pulling a lot as a pivot at AM and that was like, damn, that's, that's, that requires athleticism pulling as a center and being like a brick shit house on the second level after you snap the ball and have clean feet. That is very impressive. We didn't see Humphrey pull a lot, but he finishes, he's angry. He has the right kind of like, I'm he's again, he's the Oklahoma pipeline, but he is the opposite Orlando Brown. Like Humphrey is a lunch pail guy who doesn't talk a bunch, isn't loud, isn't, you know, wearing the foxtail. He is a shit kicker. He puts guys in the dirt. Um, I think he he loses some reps, uh, loses more than I think people admit. Uh, Brandon Thorne, very high on him. I, I like Humphrey a lot. He doesn't have great length, but I think he could. He has enough length to play guard if you need, whatever. He's been starting his entire career there, and the Ravens love that Oklahoma pipeline, specifically the Oklahoma offensive line pipeline because they ask them to do a lot of similar things. So just like Dickerson, Humphrey, you know, has the right attitude for what I want the physicality of this offensive line to be. I think he solves the center problem for a long time, at least a rookie contract. And I'm so sick of thinking about centers. Uh, All that stuff is great. On the other hand, Joe Tryon, I see as a Matt Judon replacement that has a way higher ceiling than Matt Judon. So I think he would fit seamlessly. I think that he would have the ability to play Sam behind Bowser if Bowser gets hurt and play Rush and develop it rush really well. He can hold the edge really well. He is a frenetic, uh, frenetic, high energy pass rusher with some advanced hands already. He, you know, has some patty cake reps and some reps where he gets lost, but he was really young in 2019 and opted out last year. So we don't know what we're getting all the way. So this is a very tough one. Uh, I'm going to be the deciding vote here. I want to, I want to hear your guys' opinions. I love them both. Um, Humphrey is just a guy to me who, just looks like he was born to play interior offensive line. He just does everything really solid. He gets out in space. He's more athletic than you would think uh, a guy like that would be, but I guess that makes sense coming out of the Lincoln Riley system. Uh, and yeah, just a, a dude who's been linked to the Ravens a ton. Uh, Tryon's starting to gain some steam here though for the Ravens and Tryon is a guy who I've actually been on from day one. You know, I have a little bit of an untrained eye, but I went into this draft process with the thought that I wasn't going to listen to any uh, draft Knicks or anything before I checked out my guys and uh, I watched the edges and I watched Tryon and I was like this dude's a fucking beast like he's probably like in the mix for 
you know, one of the top edges in the class. And I went and this was early in the process, granted, but people were talking about him as like a third or fourth rounder at the time. He's risen a ton. I like him a ton. I think he has potential to do a lot of different things, can rush interior, exterior, can drop back, would be that Judon replacement. Uh, I would probably vote Tryon as a seven seed over the two. You know, I'm going to be the deciding vote, Spenny, because <laughs> I'm going Tryon too, man. That's mm. my guy. I'll bang the table for him. I will bang the table for him. <laughs> the more I watch, the more I like. I really, I really do. I like everything about him. Um, good pass rusher. He's got all the measurables, all the tools. He's got a nice, you know, he can dip around the edge. He can has a little inside swim. He can drop into coverage. He can set the edge. You had a good uh, tweet. We had a bunch of different clips on it that really displayed the full arsenal of what he has. Um, I checked out Daniel Jeremiah today. Did his new big board. He's got Tryon all the way up at thirty three. And if you see Jeremiah putting a opt-out high-ceiling edge rusher at 33, um, that's a good sign because he's not the kind of guy that's going to prop somebody up above a Humphrey, who's a good player. He's a definitely a good player, but I think he's more of a second-round talent. And regardless of what who's been buzzy for the last 12 months, I think Tryon's a better player right now and has a higher ceiling. Tryon – Almost hits all of those thresholds again. You know, he's just shy of that that broad jump. He uh, didn't have the season to go get the the tackle for loss needed, but he's got the length. And yeah, you can just see in the I posted a clip of two games. In those games, you see him in coverage, in per, you know dropping into a hook and then going and closing on a on a shallow route and and smacking someone twice. Uh, you see him sticking Penny Sewell in his chest and then collapsing the edge. You see him winning with inside moves, that swim move you mentioned. You see him winning with a long-arm bull rush. Um, he is not, and this is why I also think he's similar to Judon. He is not, he has he rushes with too much energy and not enough control to be able to speed and dip around and flatten, but he has a nice chop, better than like better than I thought Judon had as a, as a young edge rusher in Baltimore. He's got a nice speed chop. So when he uses his get off from a wide alignment, he has a very quick, long, heavy chop that he can disengage. I like him a lot better than Azizo Jalari for the Ravens, I think, because of the coverage ability, because of the length, because of the height. Um, he, you know, there's what I don't know about the injury concern, whatever. Tryon doesn't have any. And just generally, like I said, I like to try to watch a couple interviews, see what a kid's about, the way they talk about things. He he's all ball. Um, he is all, all, all ball. He's got a fun personality and I think he's a perfect fit in a Wink Martindale's defense. So he advances and uh, he's going to fight some good ones over there. So there's your first round, and that pushes us through to the second. And going back to the uh, reverse fixture, we have Zizo Jolari, uh, who was a three seed versus a one seed in Rashad Bateman. I'm going Bateman. Um, Bateman, to me, his ability to attack blind spots, his ability to stack his understanding of how to play different corners and, and attack off coverage versus attack a zone heavy scheme, um, have the contested catch stuff the way he doesn't slow down him and Elijah Moore, both who both advance in the first round. They are two of the best in this class, especially outside, you know, those, those consensus top guys at catching and running, but Bateman drops the ball sometimes when he does that a little bit, but uh, I was. I went and I looked at all the drops leaders. I, I looked for the last two years. It's Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, DJ. All the best receivers drop the ball a lot because they're trying to make tough fucking catches because their team relies on them all the time. 
Um, so I think that Bateman has a lot of potential, has a, a quick, easy transition to the NFL while he might not be a superstar. Um, he's not, you know, AJ Brown's athletic profile or anything like that, but he's gonna, gonna be a good receiver and, and, you know, everybody loves him and Ajilari is, is fine. But like I just said, I like Tryon better. I know Tryon's on the other side of that board and, uh, I see him filling that, that rush role a little better. So let's, I'm going to go Bateman. Yeah, I would go Bateman as well. Uh, I feel like it's probably going to be, you know, we don't have to, you know, deliberate on this too much. He's just kind of the, the one seed, the favorite. We all knew this going in. He's kind of just the perfect fit for what they need at receiver, and uh, he's he's going through again here, boss. I like Bateman as well. Unanimous. I want to make the point that a lot of people love this wide receiver class. It does have a lot of depth. We all have our favorites later rounds, but I don't think it's as strong as the top as it was last year. Marshall already got eliminated. He probably doesn't go before any of the second round wide receivers last year. I don't think. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting juxtaposition as well, but uh, it is a very deep class, like you mentioned there, and we already had Elijah Moore go through on the other side, so it's 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 an interesting setup. Uh, above them, we have uh, Tevin Jenkins, a seven seed versus Richie Grant, a five seed. Two upsets going up against each other here in the second round. Well, now I've only got one safety on the board, so we know that, but I'm going Tevin Jenkins. I like the, the versatility. I like the attitude. I like the need. Um... I would like the offense to be addressed and maximized. Richie Grant, I like. I see him as a, you know, maybe like a Ronnie Harrison type player, perhaps in the NFL. And uh, I, I like him for what he can do. But Tevin Jenkins, I think, value wise, uh, especially knowing that, you know, Ravens don't have a second round pick. Maybe they trade back, whatever, whatever. But I'm, I'm going Jenkins. I want the attitude. I want the offensive investment. Voss, what do you think? Yes, I agree with Jenkins. He's the kind of guy you want when you're playing Tennessee in the playoffs and you need a fourth and one and their defensive tackles are spitting on your Hall of Fame guard <laughs> to, uh, to to knock somebody's teeth out. Um, so I, I like Jenkins a lot. As much as I like Grant, I have to go Jenkins here. So that's another upset. We've got a, uh, a Cinderella story brewing here potentially with a uh, a seven in Tevin Jenkins going through over a five in Richie Grant, who, uh, again, we all like. Safety is an interesting position here, but, uh, yeah, Tevin Jenkins goes through as a seven. He's going to be facing Rashad Bateman, but uh, in the reverse fixture of that, we have Elijah Moore, the eight seed, the other Cinderella story, going Ooh. going up against Landon Dickerson, the four seed. Wow. I think that's a, a good matchup. I also was uh, scrolling just now, and we took our little break and saw – Baldy, of course, was talking about how he thinks Landon Dickerson might be sneaking in to the uh, to the first round there, and so it's it's tough. But in a class, you know, a deeper offensive line class, I hmm, think I'm going to go with more. I think I'm going to go with more. I think he uh, provides some trouble. He's the only receiver on that side of the bracket as well, so I want to see him get get deep and and do some damage. Uh, receiver, more of a luxury than a need. Offensive line, you know, center. They've got some options. It's kind of a similar situation trying to pick a center prospect versus a receiver prospect. So I think that's a tough call and two SEC studs. So it's a tough one, but I'm going to go with more. Boss, what do you got? I think they have more depth, like the Casa call it shallow depth on the offensive interior than they little, do. A little bit of an oxymoron there. How yeah, insulting of him to say that. That is a nice, a nice oxymoron. Quite insulting. I'm insulted by it too, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, big boys don't matter. You can just insult all of them except Orlando Brown, and it's all fine. It's, it's all quite insulting. Games. I'm insulted by it, too, to be honest. 
I don't know, man. This is a hard call. This is a really hard call. This is I a wish good I was privy to uh, to Dickerson's uh, MRIs and all that kind of stuff and really know. Well, I just talked to Shefty. He's not a big HIPAA thing. guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> I hated him for like two years after that, but um, I like Shefty. I, yeah. I think I'm going to – I mean, it's a total toss-up for me, to be honest. I am going to uh, to take Dickerson and put the pressure on Jake to make the final call here. Love that. Man, uh, you, you mentioned shallow depth there, and I rudely cut you off saying it's an oxymoron. But uh, how many of these guys, how many of these interior offensive linemen are you going to draft that just aren't going to do much until like one of them eventually has to do something? You pick Ben Powers, you pick, you know, another Ben and Ben Bredesen. Why are you picking all these Bens? Bam, like, bam, just bam, aren't doing bam, anything. bam, bam. Yeah, you know, it's just the, like all these guys, like Pat McCarry comes in as an undrafted guy. It's like eventually, like you got to just kind of roll with it, especially when you don't know what's going on with the wide receiver position. Elijah Moore is just a, a stone-cold killer, and uh, he's going through here over Landon Dickerson. An eight seed, now over a four. The Cinderella story continues as he makes his way into the final four. There's depth in the offensive line class of this draft, and you can find some guys, whatever, whatever. Okay, so... Can't find a Landon Dickerson, you know, late unless he does really fall, but there's some depth. So we got last matchup here of the Elite Eight. It is... Um, Christian Barmore as a three seed versus Joe Tryon, a seven seed. This is an interesting one. Um, this is a tough one. Barmore provides something that, you know, is the most valuable. And again, that's that interior pass rush. He's got the pedigree, like Vaz mentioned. I think he played, like, pretty much, ex- like, always on third down, but only 30% of non-third down snaps, something along those lines. I think that's slightly wrong, but kind of close to right, uh, if I recall correctly. But it's tough. That's a tough one. Like I said, I think Barmore has – I think Baltimore is the spot. I think, you know, with their Alabama ties and all that shit, they're going to be able to take him in. They're familiar with the program of how Alabama works. The defenses have similar blah, blah, blahs. Um, mm, tough one. Very, very, very tough one. Tron has some question marks too. He's a little a little tiny bit, you know, frenetic and raw. We haven't seen him in a year. He did opt out. Uh, so I think there's there's a little bit of question marks for both of these guys, uh, both defensive players, both defensive front players. It's a tough one, but have to go with the immediate need, I guess, in the end, and that's going to be Tryon. Uh, when when you've got close players, and I do have Barmore and Tryon close, you you want to tip the hat to need, and edge is the need. That's a great point. That's kind of really where we are. I think this is where the Ravens are going to be. They're going to have four guys that are all kind of about the same grade, and they're going to say – who do we need? Right. That's the, the limited BPA, right. limited player available that we talk about sometimes. Uh, to me, it's it's a pretty easy choice, to be honest. I like trying a lot. And the Ravens do have a long-term need at the defensive line. In an ideal world, they would accumulate 10 picks and all the perfect players would fall exactly to them. and they would They're, they're great at finding them in free agency. They're incredible at finding yeah. defensive linemen in free agency. They're not going to be able to fill every single long-term need and every single short-term need in one draft, and you got to pick your your battles sometimes. And I think Tryon would be a very nice long-term compliment to Bowser as well. There you go, Joe Tryon, the seven seed over the three seed. So this is just a real Cinderella tournament. We got a seven seed in Tevin Jenkins, an eight seed in Elijah Moore. Uh, below them, you got a seven seed in Joe Tryon and a one seed in Rashad Bateman. So Bateman, kind of the uh, the, le- the last standing alpha dog there. 
and it is Rashad Bateman versus Tevin Jenkins, the seven. Who do you guys got? Hmm. Wait, which one is it again? So it's Tevin Jenkins as a seven seed versus Rashad Bateman, a one seed. That is a very, very, very tough one. I think that is a, a really good matchup. I'm glad that this bracket has kind of worked, I think, if uh, these are the guys that are getting through. I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go Jenkins. Mm. I think I'm going to go Jenkins over Bateman. Uh, get that damn line right. Find receivers. Whatever. But get that damn line right. I, I would be more mad. This is kind of the, not the way that I like to do things, but I would be more mad to see the Ravens, you know, outcomes fall, their goals fall short because of offensive line play after being forced to trade Orlando Brown than I would if they just didn't quite have enough uh, receiving prowess. It would piss me off a lot more. Jenkins is probably a really good long-term answer, I think. Um, and I do love Bateman. You know how much I love Bateman and you guys could still go Bateman, but I'm going Jenkins. I am going to take Bateman because he needs to get a vote here from someone, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, we all love him. We all love Jenkins as well, so I'm going to give him the vote, leave the onus to Voss between two real heavy-hitting prospects here. Yeah, they really are. They really are. Bateman, uh, he had a great year in, in 19. He's been kind of a top-20 prospect, and Jenkins, I think, is knocked down on some of the analyst board because he's kind of a right tackle only, not a left tackle. Quite a few guys have him in the in the late 30, 40 range. I'm pretty sure Sports Info Solutions called him a guard. I'm pretty sure they're like they put him in the guard rank. Because he's because he's sub 34 inch arms. I I think they might have thought he was even like that's not bad length. That's just not great length. Like that's I saw average. I saw a um, like a film breakdown from Coleman on Jenkins. Did a nice job showing. His technique and pass pro. Um, I He's agree. pretty, po- if, pretty know, polished, you, and I think kept, he's, he's strong. Yeah. If you kept Zeus for a year and said, "Okay, we're not going to take the whatever value, we'll take the comp, whatever, whatever, whatever," you need a tackle. Tackles are harder to find. They really are. They're just if, short if, tackles. If, if they had Villanueva, I feel like we might be going the other way. But I'm not so confident in Villanueva personally. At least. This is another stopgap, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I'm going Jenkins. I'm going Jenkins. I'll, I'll, I'll push it that way. You win in the trenches. Incredible. Ridiculous. Seven seed over a one seed there. Tevin Jenkins takes down Rashad Bateman. I did not see that coming. I'll be honest. I think this podcast, I think we're, we love Bateman, but I think Bateman's gotten a little tired as well. He's a little, yeah. yeah. He's, you know, we we found uh, some, some new, uh, New flings day. You know, the, the weather's starting to get a little bit warmer. You know, it's spring flings. It's time, time to have some fun. It's, we're having fun. Spring with fever. Jenkins. Spring fever. Tevin Jenkins, he's running around in the sundress, just apple of our eye. So, yeah, Tevin <laughs> Jenkins, uh, a seven seed over a one seed. And uh, that leaves the uh, the other seven seed in Joe Tryon versus Elijah Moore, an eight seed. Woo, buddy. A true Cinderella story. That's tough, man. I feel like if I pass on Elijah Moore, I genuinely do feel like I'm passing on a very successful receiver that I know is going to be very successful. And that is a really hard pill to swallow. If I pass on Joe Tryon, I feel like I'm passing on a good scheme fit that's probably, you know, not going to be an all pro or anything, but is going to be a good player. So I think I'm going to go more. I feel like more is could be very, 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 very special. Uh, Very, very special. 
I'm going on potential a little bit more in ways. I don't know. This is a tough one, man. I'm going to go more for the sake of the exercise. No, I think more is has, is less risky than tryout, to be honest. I, I, I agree, yes. I, that's why I say I feel like I'm passing on a oh, sure okay. thing, very good receiver for like a probably, you know, realistically starting. Tryon, I hype Tryon up. I love him a lot, but I feel like the most likely outcome for him is a solid starter. Uh, you know me. When uh, when push comes to shove, I like both these players a lot. Uh, I'm going to lean positional value. I'm going to lean positional scarcity. It's very hard. There's not a whole lot of Matt Judons that come around every year that you can find in the fifth round as an edge rusher. Undersized wide receivers, and I think more can play on the outside, but he's still undersized. There's a lot more uh, – prevalent so i will take try on jake what do you say interesting that's really really interesting i'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna write down jake's pick because i know it and then i'm gonna show you guys once uh once jake picks i think trying is the better football player i'm gonna go try holy shit i was so wrong <laughs> I, I thought you were just gonna be like we there has to be a receiver i'm sick of it we need the, the offensive investment uh blah 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 you they, sneakily though i understand it you sneakily like I feel like you kind of started to watch a little Tryon and like really fucking liked him and then slowly watched more and continued. Like he's secretly your guy. He was my guy from the beginning. Like I, like I mentioned, like I I watched him before I like listened to any draft analyst or anything. And I was like, this guy's what, what am I missing here? And then everyone kind of slowly started to catch up. So yeah, he's been my guy throughout. That's always a good feeling. It's always a good feeling where they're like in the third round and you're like, what the, I don't fucking get why he's in the third round. Am I the idiot? Does everyone else know more? And then they all catch up and you're like, yeah, exactly. So, He's been my guy. I like Elijah Moore a lot, but uh, again, another another thing with this with this process is I feel like they could wind up with both of these guys, and I, I don't know. Yeah, that's to me like the, the like if you can tell me, give me two guys, one you get twenty seven, one you get a thirty one for this entire draft class. I mean, realistically, obviously, you're not going to get Jamar Chase at, at twenty seven. I think those are my two guys. I really that's do. The pair. I really do think those are my two guys. Could be, could be. So Joe Tryon. Seven over an eight, and that puts us in the uh, the final the final countdown here. Two seven. So gonna, Lucky just left. To decide who's at twenty seven and who's at thirty one. Really, because we're getting both these guys, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, Lucky Lefty, I expect the seven. Two seven seeds. Tevin Jenkins versus Joe Tryon. Voss, why don't you lead us off here? Ah, I don't want to lead you off. I, I have a good. I have a good lead off. Okay, go ahead. If Joe Sorry. Tryon is is lined up over. Tevin Jenkins, who wins? Who wins that? Ooh. Who wins that game? Let's say, let's say Tevin Jenkins goes to Pittsburgh and Joe Tryon is drafted by the Ravens. Who is going to win that over the next what's four the, years? What's the play? Oh, just over four years. I thought you were saying one play. Is it a run or a pass? No, no, just, who who no, overall, <laughs> who is going to who is going to be the one who gets the better of the other one over a four-year period? If those two players end up in the AFC North and have to go against each other. Try and imagine that. And I think it's Joe Tryon. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I'm seeing it, especially like if you reverse the roles and Jenkins is with the Ravens, I could just see him going to the Steelers and just fucking James Harrisoning the shit out of Tevin Jenkins. Like, And not that Tevin Jenkins would even be a bad player. I could just see that in my head. That's a, that's a great point. Ronnie that's Perkins point. got in. He, he pushed Tevin Jenkins shit in a little bit. He was the one who got uh, got into Jenkins of everyone. Whereas, like, the one guy who got Joseph Asai was Tevin Jenkins. Um, so, 
I think the bull rush. I think I think he can get God a little bit. I'm, I'm looking at this as like the, a, the, a street. The low fight. leverage guys, they're always a little bit tricky. Tryon like, six uh, five. I thought he was maybe six three and a half on yeah. film. No, no, I'm he, saying Ronnie Perkins. Right, and that's why I'm saying Tryon has low, low, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. low leverage. He just doesn't look like he. I didn't think should. he was six five because he's never standing up straight, which is a really good thing. You always want to be the low man. You always want knee bend and all that good stuff. So exactly, and that means Ted Jenkins might be a little bit high cut. Yeah. I think he for sure is. He stands up real high. Yeah, he might be a little, uh, a little bit too tall in his stance, and he's not. He's six five. You would have thought maybe six seven. He was a little bit smaller than I think uh, anybody would have thought when he finally got the old measurements in there. Um, that being said, you know both positions in need. This would also be a really good outcome. Whereas Elijah Moore, Joe Tryon, we we're just talking about Jenkins and Tryon to be a really good outcome. Need wise, skill wise, potential wise, um, all of those good things, but. In the end, I'm, I'm going Tryon because Tryon has those long arms. He has way longer arms than Tevin Jenkins. Well, not way, but he has longer arms than Tevin Jenkins does. Uh, I think he's uh, a special player. I think we – I think, like, I don't know. I like Washington Huskies defense. I like the energy that he brings. That's why I love Elijah Molden, too, who's another really great fit in this defense, I think, later. Maybe some safety versatility there, too. Who knows? But uh, I, I like the fit. I like the need, and I like the player. So I think I'm going Joe Tryon, yeah. Washington is sneaky, one of my favorite programs. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, gave a voice to it because, like, they do – it. I don't know. I Their defense suck. is fucking nuts every year. They are the maybe it's just the fact defense. that Maybe it's just the fact that they also, like, kind of fly under the radar, too, with where they are and, like, some of the other teams that they have in that conference. I, I don't know. I just, I, They're I've the always, best cook team on the West Coast. They're the best program on the West Coast. Chris Peterson. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just – I'm a big fan. Yeah. They, uh, they give Oregon a lot of trouble lately. Oregon uh, – Oregon was getting a lot of the the Seattle kids for a long time, and they're not anymore at all. Good for them. So I'm going to go try in as well. There we have it. The winner of the beatdown big board after, I guess, about two months of putting this bad boy together. We have it. Uh, and who was Jenkins' last matchup? Uh, he went against um, Richie Grant. Bateman. Or Bateman, yeah, you're right. So four players with two picks. I mean – I think that is a good way of looking at maybe not putting two receivers together, but let's say you pair either one of those receivers with Jenkins or either one of those receivers with uh, Tryon. I think those are pretty ideal outcomes if the Ravens are to pick at 27 and 31 for this exercise. So I think we did really well in this bracket to get to a good point, uh, even if there were upsets and, and whatever. And I'm sure people will disagree because that's what happens. This is an objective exercise, but I think we did think really good. good. Yeah, to have Tryon, who, I mean, he's a late riser, but every Ravens fans, are, all the Ravens fans are like, that's my guy, that's my guy. To just have something a little bit different. And I think there's a real, realistic chance that he is the pick and the best player available. So, And I, I think, think it all, it kind of, it, well. it happened. it out too, so it's like he could kind of people, you know, teams are like, okay, we like this guy, whatever, whatever. Maybe he's there in the second round and the Ravens are like, no, he would have been better. This is the BPA. This is the kid we love. And that would be a very Ravens pick. I like that it happened organically, too. I do kind of feel like with the fan vote, Rashad Bateman's just going to bulldoze his way through it. I thought that might have had a chance of happening tonight, uh, but no, didn't. He uh, he got taken down there by Tevin Jenkins, I think, worthily, uh, especially with the way that we discussed it. And, uh, yeah, trying, I, I don't know. I just I, I love him. I've loved him going all the way back a couple months, and I think he'd be a perfect fit. Six five. Let me get let me get his exact measurables. I think I'm I got it here. I got it here, Spenny. Give me a second. And Six I don't five. I don't have a one shining moment for him, but I do have this. So shout out to his family. 
Joe Trying, shout out to his family. Perfect Ravens. He is, let's see, 6'5", 260, 4.65, 40-yard dash, 34-inch arms, 10 and a quarter inch hands, 82 and three-quarter wingspan, and he's 22 years old on the nose. Not too old, not too young. 35-inch vertical, 908 broad. Three cone was 718, which would be one of the better ones Ravens have ever drafted. It's under that 7.2 figure that I talked about earlier. Short shuttle was okay. 10-yard split, 164. Uh, if you go into the RAS and you switch him between linebacker or defensive end, he has a 9 RAS either way. So uh, I'm pretty sure 77%, I think Math Bomb said, of the last three years of all pro players have had a RAS of 9 or better, um, removing except for guys that like, like Chase Young didn't test. So he doesn't count if he would have made it, but he also probably would have had a really high RAS. So uh, I like the the marriage of the production that he had in 2019. I like the uh, length that he has. I like the measurables. I like the effort, the hustle, the player, all that good stuff. So I'm very happy with this outcome. I think it was uh, not what we expected at all when we when we started this. I don't think you know Jake was like I really like this guy. I was like yeah you know I like him too. I'm I'm still working on him. And then uh, Vaz, you started to get really into him like three weeks ago. I think you started being like wait I really fucking like this kid too. So it was interesting to see him. Uh, come through here. And again, that final four, I'm just really happy with. I thought that was a, an awesome final four. Here's a guy. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I think the four best players for this exercise as things stand. And uh, I think, you know, like I keep hinting at, I feel like they could wind up with more than one of them. Will the Ravens God, have one of these players that was on this 16 man board? That's my question. I think there's no chance they don't. I could be wrong. They're going to take uh on or something. Watch. <laughs> And Najee Harris in the second round. <laughs> or no, trade, no, no, second round. Trade, no, 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 no. They trade back. Vaz, you'd be like, okay, cool. <laughs> they uh, they trade back, and you're like, all right, good. I wanted them to do that. And then, boom, Javante Williams right in your fucking face. Uh, if that, and if, they, if that happens, it's going to be Vaz. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. <laughs> Last year, they had only like a few needs, really. I think they were a little bit better positioned entering the draft. So it was like specific. Just literally just linebacker. You need linebacker. to get this. You need to get this. You need to get this. This year, there's like, I could probably go in a lot of different directions. I won't love it if they take guard, but it'll be okay. As long as I don't take an inside linebacker, running back, or quarterback, I'll probably be pretty happy. If they, took a, if they took a linebacker at like 136 or 171, I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. You know, they probably got someone that's lit a little bit that they like, like a Monty Rice or something. That would be that would be fine. Linebacker, I wouldn't hate. Right. But uh, as long as it's like, you know. Zavin Collins, like, I don't know. If they traded, if they traded back and took Zavin Collins at like 55, I would be like. Spot. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But uh, first he's round, some, he's got some versatility. He he might be the he might be the rainmaker. He might be the uh, the one who destroys Larico's household. <laughs> no, Collins, I'm cool with. I Just, can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. You do like Collins? I forgot. No, I like Collins. Josh talked me to Collins. I like Collins. There's there's not a whole lot of guys I don't like. I just stay away from running back. Obviously, not a quarterback. Don't take it inside. I think okay. Now that now that we're here, now that we're here, now that we're here, I think I'd like to attempt to assuage some of your fears. And I have had plenty of issues with the way they've conducted some things this offseason. I think you're safe in that regard. I think you are. You feel free to feel free to make me one of those people that is not going to be alive on Sunday. But I, (laughs) I think you're okay. No back. No, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. 
really fun. And it's it, you get a get a defensive tackle who rushes the passer. It's extremely valuable. I'm all about that. Davion Nixon. Sure. Yeah. There could be uh, some intriguing options, but this Ravens draft, it I don't know. It feels like they think they're this could be the most like obvious one ever. I, I kind of think. I don't know. DaCosta also, someone pointed out an interesting fact to me. 16 of 18 DaCosta's of DaCosta's picks in his first two drafts have been from a power five school. It's quite insulting. I'm insulted by it too, to be honest. So he's kind of he's kind of going chalk. Like he's How not many team captains. Has to be at least ten. Holy shit! <laughs> Was he a captain? No. Get him off. Get him out of my fucking face. I'm on my way to Duncan, and I don't want to talk about him again. Gonna drink some Coca Colas. <laughs> discuss whether he was a team captain or not while I'm going through these microprocesses. Is he a leader? Is he a leader? Miles Kenefick. <sighs> who? So who is? Uh, let's remove the tight ends. Who of of our board of our board of all the guys we got before we get out of here? Who do you who do you not want? Who do you guys not want? Who is the Show least the appealing outside of the uh, the tight ends? I would say Barmore. I just don't. I, I don't Fair need. Enough. I don't need D line help. Show know? me the board again, real quick. Can you put? Can you put it up? Real yeah, one again? second. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, I just like I. You know, I, I've mentioned it, and I went against it a little bit with trying, but it's just like let's let's figure this out with offense. Can you read those? Okay. Yeah, I see them. Uh, I mean. It's a, I like all these guys. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's I'm why pretty, it's a good bracket. I'm pretty open to this. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great job with the bracket. I'm I'm open to this class. Um, if they're gonna if the Ravens take Phillips, the Ravens after all they've been through with injuries and stuff, you gotta feel good about that. Even you know what I mean. And any of these guys really. Um, I, I think the weak links I, are probably both the Bama boys, Leatherwood, Barmore. Yeah. Um. McNeil, because he's a nose tackle, makes sense, but I fucking love him. I guess, I don't know. Terrace Marshall, I'm not in love with. I like him really scared to have a take on Terrace Marshall, because I do think there's a world where he's a a really good receiver. It's all about the fit. It's like like I've been saying, I don't love him for the Ravens. I feel like he could be good, like with the Packers, like you mentioned, or. Like the fucking Broncos or some stupid shit. Yeah, like. The Broncos have. Like the Broncos have like um, yeah, give us Tim watch. Patrick back, you motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unreal for fucking Drew Locke and potentially Justin Fields to just be slinging up. They're gonna rock. have they're gonna have Patrick, Judy, Hamler, and Sutton, and Drew Locke, who said he doesn't know what the hell's going on half the time. That is a lot of fun. Well, I guess they might find someone else. I don't know. Put please put Justin Fields in the Broncos. They have a really good offensive line too. What Justin, picks do they have? Nah, nine or ten. Nine. They have nine. They can make that work. I would love Justin Fields on the Broncos. That would be my ideal fit for him. I think he would look good in the uniform. I think he fits the Denver persona. He's vegan. Uh, I think he I think he would kill it there. He's it, vegan? Uh, I got to bring him down my draft board then. Yeah, there's the whole vegan study that Tony Gonzalez went vegan and, and had to get off. Sims and Lefko were big on that several years ago. and I was He's, he's plant-based. Listen, I, think, I don't think vegan. I think plant based is his term. If, you, if you're going, Zach Efron is too. So if you're going to Menver and just smoking Kush and not eating meat and slinging the rock around, I mean that's that's an interesting interesting fit for him. I think. I would uh, I would love to see him with Judy with Sutton with Fant. God, they have just that's <laughs> they, have, they have a fucking embarrassment of offensive talent. They just can't do anything. And with. they they could pretty much go straight defense and maybe Melvin go- Gordon too. Voss's guy. Voss's guy. Yeah, he's fine. Hey, 
Philip Lindsay, you know, burn and turn. He's not there anymore. He's not there anymore. No, that's what I'm saying. You burn and turn. Oh, you right, right, right. get a UDF like you're dealing Texas Hold'em, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you get burn a UDFA, you run them in the ground for three years, then you release them. Well, yeah, you're, a, you your cap. you're in Denver, so of course you're burning and turning. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but See yeah, how many weed references I can sneak in before we get out of here? Yeah, so I think the I think the guys that I'm scared to have a take on are Marshall, Ajalari a little bit. And other than that, I think I'm good. I'm kind of scared of Phillips. That's why I didn't maybe nail that uh, when you threw that one to me. <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I heard the hesitation. You're like, <laughs> you're like, ah, shit. He might be an all pro and he might only play two years. I like I I, I like Brevin Jordan. You dis, you excluded the tight ends there. If he falls, you love Brevin Jordan. If he you're, falls, he's, a, he's one of your guys. If he gets into that kind of end of day two, like day three territory, and you don't know with tight ends, sometimes guys just fall. I I feel like he'd be a good fit for uh, our our guy Giro. He would. Unless Giro's fired after six games. <laughs> Listen, you're you're all over that block. Hope to God that it doesn't happen, but it uh, would be great. Be interesting content. Can't believe hey, the last time happened. they fired an offensive coordinator midseason, what happened? They should just, fire just their saying. offensive coordinator every single year. You fired, you fired, you fired. It's like using that tactic, like how Mike McCarthy would always like take over the play calling duties and then give them back and then take them over again. So like there's <laughs> never any excuses. He just always had a built-in like... And smashing pumpkins, a.k.a. watermelons. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe he is a head coach right now. That's wild. He's, I always forget that he's there. I don't just, I always expect he Jason just reminds Garrett me of like you meet a girl and you like meet their parents and it's like the girl whose dad just like doesn't really talk and he just sits there and watches TV on the lazy boy and he just like has a double chin and like is just very like the wife runs the household like just a blank stare at the TV. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of doesn't really have much to say. Like that's what I did, imagine of him being like. Didn't he like hire a bunch of ex coaches and start like studying analytics or something? Yeah. For a year? yeah. Get, what a hustle! They just hustled somebody to get a job. You know, Listen, that's, that's, that's what you do. If you if you <laughs> he's you been know. he's just been listening to PFFs like fucking podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's he also doesn't know what a podcast is and he's like hey, you come on in here no i don't turn know what his on. wife name he's like hey jenny jenny turn, turn on that pm at pff nonsense again that radio on the internet thing how do these guys make money he's like all right i'm never fucking putting the ball again that's it jerry jones is just like sitting in his ivory tower like oh yeah that's really disruptive stuff that he's got going on up there <laughs> yeah jerry jones like he he's not punting much no, and you know they've been talking about these analytics and he's really sh- circumcising the mosquito up there shakes his, <laughs> shakes his whiskey glass rocking it a little bit you hear a little clink clink just drinking johnny walker blue he's with like his, see uh, jason garrett wasn't with the analytics and jason garrett's like you're right about just, that jerry still in the corner just like wearing a gimp suit just like clapping a <laughs> Yeah, he's locked in the trunk. <laughs> All right, Stephen, bring out the gimp. All right, this was this was fun. This was great. Uh, this was the beatdown big board winner, Joe Tryon. Finalist Tevin Jenkins, semifinalist Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman, a solid four. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with the process. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode, Jakey. Get us the fuck out of here. And turn, I don't know. What what should we do for the draft? Should we stream? Oh, we're streaming. I, just, I might just come here then. Yeah, you might as well. We can. Right. I could see if I can get that TV going. We have a TV in here that I do not have hooked up to Dish right now, so we're gonna have to figure that out. But uh, we'll we'll definitely. I gave, you, I gave you a TV. Well, yeah, it's that TV, but I don't have oh, it hooked okay. up to. Uh, which, by the way, thank you very much for that. Too. Um, yeah, no, it's nice. I just I, I've 
I play video games on it here and there, but I, I got to get my uh, my cable hooked up to it. But we will we will do that, and I guess we'll just be in here, and I can get us some more comfortable seats and uh, get a Yeti full of beer and uh, just get ready to attack it. Sounds like it'll be a fun time. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this uh, contest. Joe Trine coming out the winner. Shout out to his family, and uh, shout out to all the families of all the people involved and to our families. Uh, and to your families, the listeners, uh, really hope you guys enjoyed this whole process. Hope you tolerated us, uh, making our way through it. It was, uh, you know, we were flying by the seat of our pants at times, but also having a ton of fun kind of getting consistent in-person recording was a ton of fun. Something I hope we can continue moving forward doing here. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's kind of the end of the off season. It's been a good off season. It is the new league year will be, uh, well, I get, never mind. I was stupid. It started a while ago. Well, yeah, it did. It did start um, just in terms of, well, the official, the fan new league year. Plus I gotta, I gotta pay for the season tickets and, uh, get that shit started. So hopefully we're able to go see some games at MT bank stadium this year with, uh, maybe Joe Tryon and Tevin Jenkins on this team and get some, some shit cooking and eventually get a bunch of the Baltimore beatdown crew and some listeners together when, uh, we can, all comfortably go get shit-faced somewhere. When, when times are more certain. But, uh, yeah, Voss, thanks for hopping on with us, bud. I hope you had fun as well. I had a blast. This was excellent, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Wait. What's the uh, – uh, you'll, be, you'll be coming right back on for the post-draft stuff, like, next week. Bart, we can talk Bart's about got uh, – can't, can't wait. Can't wait. You, know? you can hop on the live stream, too, if you want. Yeah. I got to be doing all those editing and instant reaction uh, and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'll see if I can for sure. Okay. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, anytime, brother. Well, uh, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? At Vasili's Beatdown is the Twitter handle. V-A-S-I-L-I-S. You just had a, just had a big mock draft. Tell them about that big mock draft, too. Just did a nice mock draft, traded both picks out of the first round, and got a bunch of day two instant impact guys. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. Please check it out at Baltimore Beatdown. And uh, really can't wait. I'm, I'm most drafts, I'm a little bit apprehensive. I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive about this. Two first round I had a nice little so preamble about the Ravens way, Jake. I think you would appreciate that. And, and I'm sometimes get a little bit critical, but I think uh, they're a first class organization. They do a lot of things right. And we should, it's, it's okay to be critical, but sometimes we have to accept them for who they are and, and play into that a little bit too. Yeah, I think we've all kind of come to that uh, that fulcrum point this offseason as well with uh, some of our frustrations that we had. Uh, yeah, you know, I think we're all kind of in lockstep at this point as to what we want to see happen. So uh, whether it does or doesn't, we will certainly find out. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and like we mentioned, I think we'll so I think what we're going to do is do a, a nice long kind of preview pod on Wednesday night. If you want to join that, you're more than welcome. Uh, just breaking it down and having an episode out on Thursday and maybe kind of looking at the fan uh, bracket that we put out as well that's going on Twitter. Um, but yeah, until then, you'll have that episode. We'll be streaming. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you then. And uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show at Podcast Beatdown. Follow me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. And uh, also go ahead and subscribe to us uh, wherever you're getting your pods. If you're on iTunes, leave us a five star rating and a review. And, uh, you know, nothing else to say, but uh, talk to you guys then. See ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.